What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Things were bad. That's all I can say. At this point in human history, things were bad. Remember last time I left you how they were reading in the newspaper about some great tragic event in a great event that was shocking, and the news stories of the day would pop up over and over again, I don't know, in whatever, in in the first gazette of the city of Enosh, or the Herald Gazette of whatever great city was back then, and stories would spread, and they would hear story after story. Well, instead of seeing some of these stories as tragic and sad and Man, what is wrong? And we have got to follow Yahweh. We have got to get back to following God. No, they were like, really? Oh, that's great news. Whatever tragic event occurred, they would rejoice and celebrate something that God considered evil. They would celebrate as something that was good. And they did this over and over and over again. And when God looked down, it says in Genesis 6, when he looked down, And he peered inside the minds of men and women and even children. He saw that their thoughts were nothing but evil continually. They thought of nothing good. They just thought of themselves and how to better their own position. They just thought of their latest lust and how to pursue that. They thought of self and me and me and me and flesh. And, you know, the Bible talks about how the kingdom of this world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Well, when God looked down upon humanity at this point, all they thought was those things. All they celebrated were those things. Now remember, last time I also talked about how there's two lines of people spiritually, right? There's spiritually those of the line of Cain and spiritually those of the line of Seth. Well, sadly, it looked like spiritually the line of Cain was winning. Remember, the line of Cain was secular, non-Yahweh pursuing. They didn't care about God. They cared about themselves. They cared about their own fleshly winnings and their own desires while the line of Seth, for the first time, they called upon Yahweh. And it's the line of those spiritually who care about the things of God. It's the line spiritually of those who care about the things of God, who care about Yahweh and his desire and and what his laws are and what his wants are, while the line of Cain does not. Here in Genesis 6, the line of Cain is spreading and is winning, and it seems to be overwhelming the line of Seth. And those who are spiritually minded are shrinking. That party of goodness and pursuing the things of God is shrinking and getting smaller and smaller. 
Well, you have that problem. But then, Genesis 6, we have an evil problem also occurring. Because it talks about, in Genesis 6, what we see there is a spiritual demonic invasion of the worst kind. A demonic invasion that blows the mind. Because it talks about in Genesis 6 how the sons of God saw the daughters of men, basically the offspring of, of men, that they, they, they looked at the, the women at that time, and it says that they found them to be absolutely beautiful. It says there in Genesis chapter 6, verse 2, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of humankind were beautiful. And these sons of God, they began to lust after these beautiful human women. Now, here's the question. Who are the sons of God, right? I mean, that, that, that's a huge question. And the only other time the sons of God is used is in the book of Job. And it says in Job chapter 1, verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh, before the Lord. So clearly these sons of God are divine beings of some kind. And some people think these sons of God can be equated with angels who worked for and were in the presence of Yahweh. Other people think the sons of God were like little G-God, not almighty God Yahweh, but little G-God who sat on a divine council, who worked for Yahweh and sat in his presence. Either way, we can say this. These are divine beings who lusted after humans. Now, how does that work? Remember, this shouldn't happen. These are two different realms. We have the supernatural and the natural. Well, in Genesis 1 through 3, right, we see where it happens, where the supernatural comes into the natural, where Satan took on the form of a serpent, and he began to tempt Adam and Eve, and he brought sin into the world because Adam and Eve chose to follow sin and self. And sin came into the world, and now we're seeing its ramifications. Well, here, in Genesis 6, we meet another huge spiritual transgression of the worst kind. Here we see spiritually divine beings shaking their fist at God and saying, I don't care what you want, I am going to rebel. Bell. And here we have a second spiritual rebellion of, of, of the worst kind. I can't even begin to describe how evil this is. The book of Jude, it's only got one chapter, but the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 6, it even says here, it says that these angels, Jude calls them angels, who did not keep within their proper domain but abandon their own place of residence. Think about it. Jude uses the story in Genesis 6 as a way to tell his modern readers, 
much, much later who are reading the book of Jude then to say, this is how evil these false teachers are, and you've got to contend for the truth. And God's going to judge them just like he judged these angels who left their proper domain, and he says, again, their own place of residence, they transgressed from the supernatural, from that spiritual realm into the human realm. And that was a major evil. That was a major rebellion against God. And how they did it is a great issue of debate over the centuries that we've had these books. Some people believe that they took on human form. Some people believe that they possessed humans, that these angelic divine beings left their spiritual realm and came into the human realm and possessed men who then went into these women. Other people say, no, they came down as divine beings and probably took on human form. And it says later on in the book of Hebrews, right, that some of us have entertained angels unawares. And, and we see all the time in the Bible how God takes on human form, right? Well, some people believe that they took on human form and came down. Some extra biblical sources in the book of First Enoch talks about how they came down, 200 of them, and landed on Mount Hermon. And it's interesting, this Mount Hermon in Old Testament literature, in the Psalms and in the book of Deuteronomy, Mount Hermon is seen as a place of evil, a place of great spiritual transgression. This was a dark, evil, foreboding place. And I'm not saying angels touched down on Mount Hermon, and I'm not saying there were 200 of them, because I've got to go with what the Bible says. But what I can say this is that the Bible is clear. Divine beings lusted after human women and decided to come down to earth to break that realm between the spiritual and the natural. And they came down here and they invaded earth. Demonic invasion of the worst kind. And they shook their fist in the face of God. And they said, I don't care what you think, God. I am going to do what I want. And it says they came down. They took wives. So I can imagine they come down and they look like normal human beings. And they probably looked beautiful. You know, they probably look perfect. These are muscular looking men with lots of hair or maybe like me, they were bald because bald is beautiful. But either way, it says they took wives for any that they chose. You know, all the women were like, whoa, I want to marry him. But the question is, was the world aware what was happening? I think to a certain extent they were because when you look at Genesis 6, God condemns humanity for this. He also condemns these spiritual beings for this, but he condemns humanity. They had a part to play. They were so full of themselves. They were so full of sin. They were so full of pursuing evil. that I think many of these humans knew that they were messing with something that they shouldn't mess with. 
I think many of them knew they were moving into spiritually dark places and working with spiritually dark forces, but they did not care. Well, these divine beings, these sons of God, came down. They took wives of the beautiful women, of the daughters of men, it says in Genesis 6, and they had children with them. And these children were known by the term here in Genesis 6, they were known as the Nephilim. And it says there in Genesis 6 that the Nephilim were these men who became famous, it says in Genesis 6. They were men of renown, says some old versions. Mighty heroes, these famous men. And it's like the author is writing today to his audience, and he's saying all the way back, this pre-flood period, they produced these men of renown. And these men you've heard of, by the way, I think what the writer's doing, he's saying, hey, you know what? You Jewish people are about to enter the promised land. You've heard of these stories. You've heard of these men of renown. And you've also probably heard of this Babylonian story of these great men of renown. And they also had a flood. And they also had these great men and these half-men, half-god type beings, these Nephilim that were produced, that were half-men, half-god, these men of renown. And there was Babylonian myths back then that said these half-men, half-gods that were produced. That's where we got great knowledge from. That's where we get all this great learning from. All our great things can be traced back to these great men of renown. Isn't that wonderful? And they heard of the Epic of Gilgamesh that had sort of the same story. And Moses is saying, no. These are not men of renown. Yes, it's true. There was at one point these Nephilim, these half-men, half-God. And it's interesting, we today, in some of these Greek myths, right? You hear of Hercules, who was the product of a god and a human woman, right? And he was half-man, half-God. And I think these are myths that reflect a greater reality in Genesis 6, these great stories of these men of renown and, and, and all these things you're hearing from the Babylonians about how wonderful things these people have produced. No. It's the opposite. The Nephilim were bad. This half-man, half-god offspring was never meant to be. And it's the height of evil. And later on, you know, the, 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 again, this is something not to be praised. This is something that's not to be pursued. This is evil. It says in verse 5, right after talking about how these offspring of the sons of God and human women, and right after saying that these are the famous ones, the men of renown, it says that the Lord, in verse 5, saw that the wickedness on the earth was great. But again, God goes back to man. He says the wickedness of humankind had become great. The line of Cain 
was allowing the supernatural beings to come into their lives and produce this monstrosity that should never have been. But that is evil in and of itself. But the line of Cain is continuing to go on and produce their own evils and their own wickedness and to fill the earth with it. Verse 5, every thought, every inclination, every idea of their minds was only evil, and the Bible says, all the time. Tawai looks down and he regrets what's happening. This isn't good. And it says that Yahweh regretted that he'd made humankind on the earth. And he is saddened. I think it's interesting. The heart of God was broken. Sin grieves God. The Bible talks about how God can grieve and be sad over our sin. Next time you're tempted to sin, think about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, that sin grieves the heart of God. Yes, you're no longer condemned by it. Yes, that doesn't stop you from being saved because you're no longer under condemnation. But it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt the very heart of God. Here, the evilness of man continually hurt the heart of God. He saw the evil continually progressing in the thoughts and actions of mankind. And, and then he saw this evil, these spiritual beings breaking that realm and coming down and producing children with humans and, and what that did. Now, it says in Second Peter chapter 2 that these angels says in verse 4 that they were not spared for if God did not spare angels when they sin but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment if he did not spare the ancient world preserve Noah these angels who committed this huge transgression the Bible says they're in the worst place possible they are in Chains of gloomy darkness until the day of judgment. Some manuscripts say pits of gloomy darkness. Now, demonic beings, right, are part of this world. So are angelic beings. There is a supernatural world, but God said that these angels, these sons of God, these supernatural divine beings were so evil and transgress so badly that he has a special judgment for them, Peter says, and they are chained up in gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Earlier in 1 Peter, it talks about how Jesus went down to these spiritual beings between when he died and when he resurrected, and he preached to them that you thought you'd won, but guess what? I won instead. I mean, these beings committed a heinous, evil act, and God judged them accordingly. Not only that, God's looking at the evil that they committed, but God is looking at the evil that humanity committed. And allowing these supernatural beings even have a foothold in their lives... And I just want to encourage you, we have got to realize that 
Yes, we live in a human natural world, but there is a supernatural world. There is a spiritual world that we can't even begin to understand. And Genesis 6 just peels back a little bit of the layer of what's going on. And I know there's lots of questions, and these are cool questions that you, again, can track down with your Bible study group, your pastor, you know. Seek out some good, solid sources, but ultimately realize there is a spiritual realm. And don't mess with it. Don't allow it into your life. It seems like the line of Cain were allowing in these demonic forces in ways that we can't even begin to understand. And God judged those spiritual beings, but he says, I am going to have to judge man. I am going to have to judge humanity. I'm going to have to wipe humankind out. Because the line of Cain and those who are pursuing unspiritual things and desiring things that are wicked all the time, they're winning and I am going to have to wipe them out before my plan for redemption is completely wiped out. It says there in Genesis 6 that he says, I will wipe humankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Everything. From humans to animals, including creatures, because God says, my heart is broken that I made them. The way they've allowed sin to corrupt them so completely. And I have a wonderful story of redemption that is about to be wiped out from these spiritually demonic forces on one hand and just the sin running rampant for those who spiritually connect with the line of Cain and I have to do something so I will send a flood. But in the middle of all that chaos... In the middle of all that sin, there was one man who was righteous. There was one man left who chose to do what is right. There was one family left who chose to pursue Yahweh than anybody else. And through him, I'm going to preserve humanity and I'm going to preserve the story of redemption. You know who that one man is? Well, if you come back next week, we will find out who that one man is. And I think we all know, right? I think we all have an idea. And you can read Genesis 6 and read ahead. But I just want to encourage you. Live for Yahweh, no matter what. The culture says, in our day and age, live for Jesus. Choose him. Pursue him. Pursue righteousness, no matter what everybody else is doing around you. Let's pursue God. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.